0: From the ponds to the pros, it's time for Beyond the Pond on the fan. Here are your hosts, Pat Micheletti and Kevin Fulness. Let's talk hockey!
1: Here I sit in this lonely studio. I look over to that chair that should be occupied by Pat Micheletti and nothing. I'm forced to go to the phone lines because he's out chasing a dollar once again. Pat Micheletti, where are you this morning?
2: I am in uh, lovely Chicago Kevin. what are you doing and, there uh, it's a uh, it's a nice day here a little chilly but uh, i'm I'm trying to set the record of doing most shows from a hotel room
1: <laughs> Well, you're on a good start I mean it's we, we've I got am, a handful of them uh, this I year got,
2: i got I got more news for you oh, I'll be doing I'll be doing it next weekend really? a hotel
1: room same away. thing are you going back to Chicago?
2: No, uh, another place, Sioux
1: Falls. No! Sioux Falls, all right. Doing a little Augustana. So what do you, what do you got going in Chicago this weekend?
2: Uh, today I have uh, Michigan and Penn State. Impossible. But neither of them Michigan play in Chicago. On the Big Ten Network.
1: Neither of them play in Chicago, so you're lying to me.
2: Uh, neither of them play in Chicago. We will be doing it uh, from the studio.
1: Okay. All right. So, all right. Well, uh, Anyway. Yes. That sounds like fun. So we'll get more into that. We'll talk about your Gophers. Of course, we'll talk about the Wild and everything else going on. we got an awesome lineup coming up, including this guy who has some good stuff for us. Loft. Feeds it ahead.
0: Flamang. Flamang with a shot. He scores! Tucked
1: it inside the left post in Bemidji State. I'm pretty sure that's my guy, Brian Schultz, up there on the bun, calling an overtime win on Thursday. The Beavers take out Ferris State, and then they do it again last night. And I, if 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 my sources are correct, Tom territory the Beavers are number one in the CCHA. Congratulations. What's going on up there in Bemidji tonight?
3: Nothing tonight, buddy. I'm going to watch flow hockey. I might even watch uh, Pat McLeary from the studio. Uh, doing Penn State and Michigan as well. I'm just I'm watching TV tonight. I'm just a fan tonight, Kevin.
1: That's great. Well, congratulations on a good uh, couple of days to, to earn a well off uh, a, a well earned weekend off. Uh, what went well against Ferris State uh, in the two games, including the overtime winner?
3: Yeah, there were nail biters. I mean, our league is razor thin from top to bottom. It doesn't matter who you play, but I mean, there was a lot of good things that we did. Um, we did a lot of good things, but last night we were up two to one after two periods, for example. And we always shot him. I think it was 18 to two in the second. But as you know, um, that's why they have intermissions in, in hockey. And, we, you know, we couldn't get the three. And it was a nail-biter in the third period. And we almost, uh, you know, it was almost two to two. And then 30 seconds later, we score and make it three to one. So, I mean, that's the beauty of our sport. Don Lucia and I were talking this morning about, like, the beauty of hockey is, like, it doesn't matter if one team's out playing the other team. Um, a puck can go off a shin pad. It can go off somebody's butt. It can go off anything. You know, anything can happen. And uh, it's just, that's what makes our sport great. And I, I think the fans get their money's worth every night. Hey, Tommy, you and I
2: uh, we're, were talking the other day and, you know, I always love our conversations, but, you know, we were talking and, and you alluded to it, I mean, this league, your league is chaotic in terms of, of you know, the separation in points and, and, you know, the differences in, in some of the teams, some have a, a good power play. Some have a great penalty kill. Some are, you know, are, are better uh, in the net. Um, but but your league, and just talk about how difficult it is, not only in your league, but throughout college hockey, um, to sweep in a, in a weekend series.
3: It's, it's so hard. And, and it, when you play the same team twice, that's why it would be nice We've been doing the same thing in the West for 75 years. That's why, actually, we have tried a couple Thursday-Friday games, which we did this past weekend, is to try to, you know, just try to do some things a little more different because we've been the same. We've been the same way for 75 years. But when you play the same team um, again, it just seems that whoever loses on Friday, the desperation in their game um, is at a high, high, high level the next the next night, and it's not like the the, the team that wins. Um, is obviously taking the night off. That's not you know, and they're out to lunch. That's that's not what it is. But it's just it's so hard. And uh, it was interesting. I talked to one of my former players who plays pro hockey in Europe about two months ago, and it was it was fun. We were just talking about what he's doing now. And then we started talking about old times. He goes, "Gosh," he goes, "My dad misses watching." He was from Ontario. He goes, "My dad, he misses watching those games on." Um, flow hockey you know the you know the the beavers games he goes versus the pro games he goes and gosh my dad and i were talking the other day how tough it was to play the same team two nights in a row and winning two games in a row and he brought it up to me and uh and it did it resonated with me and it's just so darn hard guys and that's why in the east sometimes i think when you play two different teams there's some merit to that you know but we we can't do it to the geography you know now there there's no secret formula but
2: you know, or, you know, if there was, you know, you'd be undefeated, right? But, but how do you, as a coach, approach the second night of a game, you know, after coming off a win? Uh, I mean, is there anything that, cause you know what you're going to get from the other team, right? Uh, and, and, but what do you, what do you say to your guys to, to get them motivated or ready or
3: whatever the case may be? Well, Pat, you're, I think the meeting, the Saturday morning meeting, is, is as critical as it's more critical than the meeting before the game, because obviously, mm. again, you're not you're setting you're setting the tone for the day, is what I'm getting at. And um, we've just watched video. Um, I've got to sleep on what I want to tell the guys. And a lot of times, it could be something very similar. Sometimes it could be totally something different, because again, um, the game the night before can could dictate what I want to say or how we're playing at that particular time. Um, but I think what I try to do is just draw back from all my experiences, you know, as a coach. And I try to, re- you know, and I, and I'm sure once in a while I get the eye rolls, you know, guys. In all my year, I'm telling you, here's what's going to happen. But you can almost predict it as a coach what's going to happen, and then you try to obviously prepare your team on how this is going to happen. And um, I've tried it all. You, you know, you have a you have a good win on Friday, and you just you, you pump up your guys. I mean, you tell them how proud you are. You show the clips on video. And sometimes again, I don't. I don't want to say they lay an egg, but again, they they, they, lot, they lose that edge a little bit. Conversely, um, you know, obviously, if they don't play well, well, you're you know what? Now you, you want it, You want to get everything out of them, and you're showing clips that might not be as positive, and you're trying to motivate them that way. Um, so I sit there sometimes and say, God, what do you say? Because you want to make sure that you're positive with your guys. You always want to be positive with your guys, but sometimes again, when you're too positive. Um, you know what I mean? Are they content with that? So, it, it, I, I think you get pat to a certain degree. You got to live in the moment, is what I'm getting at. And you yeah, got to know your team. I look at I look at the
2: scores um, last night, right? And you know, some teams yeah. laid an egg. But but the the point being, if you don't have everybody focused and ready to play in college hockey,
3: I mean, anybody can beat anybody. Oh gosh, it's it's crazy. I used the term last night before we went I, competitive maturity. Bob Peters always said that to us. I, I love that term. You know what you have to have the competitive maturity to have success in this game. And um, you know, we can all sit there and you know we can motivate it many different ways, but I brought that up. I go in competitive maturity, guys, that means we need the whole team. This is the beauty of hockey is it's not about one or two or three guys. I mean we roll four lines, we have three sets of defensemen, we've got a goaltender everybody's getting eight. The guys who probably aren't even playing a lot are still getting 10 minutes. They're still getting 10 minutes of the game. You know, that's a lot of time. You know, what they may not look at as a lot of time, but it's a lot of time during the game. And you all have to have that competitive maturity. And, and again, competitive maturity is the process. Again, are you going to have detail to your game? How are your habits going to be? Are you going to be disciplined? But if you have those, the, the offensive part of the game takes over too. I think it takes care of itself and, uh, and you have to have that as a group, as a collective group. And um, I think it's so important that internally in that locker room, that gets taken care of by the by the leadership group. And if not, it's just a, there's a fine line anyway. So again, what's going to what's going to get you over the edge? Because there's a fine line anyway when the game starts. So again, what's going to give you the edge? And I think you have to have that kind of balance. Is what I'm getting at, Mick. You know.
1: Talking to Tom Ceratori, the head coach up there at Bemidji State, coming off a weekend sweep over Ferris State. They played on Thursday and Friday. So he's got the weekend off, but I'm guessing that you're just looking ahead a little bit because when you talk about the strength of the CCHA and the strength of college hockey in general, anyone can win on any night. Next weekend, you've got one of the new kids in town in St. Thomas. You're coming down here. Uh, What have you heard about what Rico Blase is building out there in uh, Mendota Heights? Well, I don't have to hear about it, Kevin. I see
3: it, you know, and uh, you know they're good. They're, I mean, they're a good hockey team. I mean, a really good hockey team. And uh, no, I mean it's uh, it's going to be a fun weekend next weekend. But I'm not. I, I don't want to worry about that till actually tomorrow afternoon. Uh, <laughs> I just want to enjoy the day. But um, there, it's uh, they got a. They, they're doing a heck of a job. They got a good hockey team, and um, it's going to be a battle next week, and It's like like and that's what you want. And I, you know, one of my players brought it up the other day. It doesn't matter who you play, but he goes. When you're in a situation like this right now, for us, where the last, you're, you're down to the last two weekends, you know whether it's Bemidji, whether it's Mankato, whether it's Saint Thomas, whether it's Bowling Green, you know Tech 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 right now, this is what makes things really really fun. And he used the word fun, and I'm going, you know what, it is. I mean, you want to play in these types of games, and there's nothing like being a little nervous because when you're a little nervous, that means you're playing in an important game, and um, right. there's nothing wrong with having you know, those little nerves and all that. And we're going to have next weekend. And so is St. Thomas, because there's going to be, Hey, there's going to be obviously a lot at stake next weekend as there will be the next weekend. And if you can win next weekend, there's more at stake the last weekend. So that's what you want to put yourself. You want to put yourself in that position, Kevin. And, and, and let's, let's be, uh, let's be
2: honest here. Your league is only going to get one team, one team in the NCAA. Um, Based on the pairwise rankings, and I don't think uh, any team in your league is going to be able to, to jump up high enough um, to, to be able to get two teams in. That being said, what are your thoughts on the pairwise ranking? Is, it, is that the best um, way to determine the top 16 teams in the country?
3: Yes. I do, Mick. I I believe in our pairwise system. I think we've had some flaws in the past. I think we've done a good job of rectifying that um, overall. I mean, hey, there's been years where we've been high in the pairwise rankings, our league. I mean, even last year we had two. I think we had
4: uh, two the year before three. The year before that, the COVID year, I think was us, Lake Superior, and Mankato.
3: So, um, I like the pairwise system. I think it is a good system. And, um, you know, the best guy to talk to, and you guys talk to him a lot is Don. Don's, Don's just a Don's the guru with the, with the pairwise system, but I, I think it does a good job overall. And the bottom line is, you know, you win your non-conference games, and you do a good job in your non-conference games, it benefits you. If you don't, obviously your pairwise ranking is not going to be as high. So, you know, that's on us. That's not on the system. That's on us. So, I actually do like the system, Pat. I, I think hey, there's always going to be a team on a given year where you could maybe see a flaw in the system, but. I mean, there's always going to be extenuating circumstances, but by and large, I think it's a good way of picking our teams, and um, I like it. I like it.
1: It's uh, we're a long we were a long time coming to talk to you, Tom, for sure. Uh, and now we got you off our list. Probably next on our list uh, to get uh, taken care of this season is talk to your brother. What's going on down there in Air Force? Uh, have you had a conversation with him lately about how things are going there with the uh, the Falcons? You know, I actually, we don't
3: talk as much as you might think during the season because we're so wrapped up and we just don't, you know what I mean? But we text, but I did call him yesterday and I didn't even, you know, no, on Wednesday, um, no, it's not, I don't know, Wednesday or Thursday, uh, whatever. But I talked to him and uh, things are going pretty good. You know, things are going really good for him. I mean, he just got his 500th win I think yeah, about a month unbelievable. ago. unbelievable. So you know, and no, I was kind of, it was cool. So, I mean, uh, yeah, you're asking me what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I know we got a 500 win. I don't even look, li- you know what, guys? I don't even look like at the stand that often, you know, you know to find out what's going on. But I know when they're on a little bit of a roll, and I know when things aren't going well. And I think the last two weeks, things haven't been going as well. So, uh it is what it is. It's, just, it's a roller coaster for all of us. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you're Tom territory or you're Frank territory or Bob Mosko or Scott Sandlin. I mean, uh it doesn't matter, Lars. You know Rico. You know Luke. It's just you know what it is. It's one weekend of the next, guys, and uh, it's an eighteen. It's an eighteen-week marathon. That's for sure. Anything else, Andrew? I never asked you this, but you know, and, and I know
2: uh, that that you've coached against Frank. How how was that when you know when you were playing against Air against Air Force? Um, was it you know uh, different special?
3: How could you describe that? I think it's a kind of both, Pat. That's a, probably different and special. It, it's there, there is it's kind of cool looking over and seeing your, uh, seeing your brother. There's no doubt. I know and both you guys years, are not competitive years, but, at you know, all, sorry. right? <laughs> I, pardon me. Oh gosh. Yeah, I, <laughs> but it's you know there's a lot of but there's a lot of respect, and I try not to get you know, and I, I try I, I don't try to. I don't want to try to make that game any different than it is. You know, you don't want your, you don't, even even though even though your players know it, they're not stupid, yeah. you know, your players know it, Frank's players know it. It is different, it's unique, but you don't talk about it. You, you, you prepare um, the same way, but you look over there and you're pretty proud that you're, you know, you, you're kind of butting heads against each other. And a few years ago we played, I'm not only looking over at Frank. Then my son's playing for Frank, and then I'm going, right. Holy moly! Now, that, that <laughs> no, that, no, that had a tear in my eye. But uh, and then you're watching, you're watching. You know, you, you, I end up I'm watching the game. I'm watching my, my son sometimes when he's on the ice. I'm going, Come on, Dad, be a coach. You're coach right now. You're not Dad. You know. Um, <laughs> but it, it it's pretty special, and we'll never play each other again. Um, and uh, we were done playing each other a few years back, and then we played because my son was playing for him. So we made sure we played it. We had a two a two year uh, cycle of uh, four games, but um, there it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and uh, you know, two guys in Colerain competing against each other. It was it was it was, it was pretty rewarding. It was a lot of fun, and uh, those were good memories.
1: Always good to talk to you, Tom. Always great to hear your voice. Thanks for joining us, and uh, let's do it again here real soon. All right, guys, always always nice
3: chatting with you. Take it easy, Pat. Take yep. care,
1: Kevin. We'll talk soon. We'll talk soon. There he is, our buddy Tom Ceratori up there in Bemidji State, uh, battling hard for the Beavers. And like we said, Pat, number one in the CCHA as we speak, but it changes on a game-by-game basis, it feels like.
2: I tell you, it's it's really too bad that, you know, I mean, they're coming down to, to the cities next weekend to play St. Thomas you know that series would be able to get 5,000 unfortunately you know where St. Thomas plays right now um you know you're not going to it's going to be sold out but you know you could you could you could easily get 5,000 people to to uh, to watch that series next weekend it's going to be great it's probably going to be um uh for first place again and um you know, I'm going to try to get there. Well, I can't. I'll be out of town. i will be out of town. I would encourage anybody to try to get tickets for that game because that series, it'll be, uh, it'll be terrific.
1: Yeah, the Beavers are rolling. The Gophers are not. Let's take a break, and then we can recap the carnage last night for your Gophers out there in South Bend. It wasn't good. It wasn't pretty, and we'll talk about that next on Beyond the Pond.
3: Hey, Wild fans, this is Marcus Foligno, and you're listening to the best hockey show on the planet. Beyond the Pond, right here on KFAN. Arthur's
5: Jewelers has the largest collection of men's wedding bands in the entire state, with over 21 materials
2: to choose from.
0: Wild Sabres, today at 4, on the radio home of the Wild, FM 100.3 KFAN, The Fan.
1: The new ball. Snideroot has it, and that's going to do it. Game over. Notre Dame defeating the Minnesota Gophers tonight, six to one. Pretty sure I heard Frank say "yikes" in the background there as Wally announced the final score last night from South Bend, Indiana. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish just beat her, beat down, and batter the Minnesota Golden Gophers, 6-1 was the final, Patrick. What happened? This team was playing so well. The goaltending was astronomical. And one of those eggs you talked about getting laid when you were talking with Tom Ceratori, boy, that was right there on center ice out there in Notre Dame.
2: It was, but I'm going to give you a little, uh, a quick little story, Kevin, Okay. Uh, about games like this. My senior year, Doug Woog's first year, we went into Wisconsin. We beat them the first night. The second night, we lost. I think we were down six nothing. We finally got a late one. I think they got a couple more. I don't know what the final score was six one or seven one, eight one, something like that. And guess what? We made it to the final four that year. It yeah. was not the frozen four back then. Um, so my point is it's it's one of those games. Uh, where you forget about, if you know you are a good team, um, well, you learn from it, obviously, but you you put it in a rear view mirror and, and get ready to play your next one. So, um, you know, I looked at some of the scores last night. You know, you see Colorado College uh, thumping the number one team in the country, number two team in the country in North Dakota. Um, North Dakota will bounce back tonight. Don't forget about that. So, not good. Um, and it goes to show that you have to be ready to play every night in, uh, in, in, in college hockey. And obviously, Notre Dame was great. Minnesota was putrid, and that was the end result.
1: If you see a six-one box score, you figure that it's the goaltending. But I was listening to uh, Monsco in the post game last night with Wally and Frank, and the goaltending really never even came up. It was more about the the team in front of them completely, for the most part, outside of like a handful of guys. From according to Bob, uh, the entire team in front of them completely let them down throughout the course of that hockey game.
2: First thing people look at is the goaltending every game, every game. I don't care if you, you know, lose three to one or, or, or six to one, um, you know, automatically, well, who's your last line of defense, the goaltending must be the goaltending. Um, but, but typically that is not the case in, in most hockey games. Uh, you know, you have breakdowns defensively, you have breakdowns, you know, in the neutral zone, you have. You know, you're, you're, uh, unable to connect on, on passes, what, whatever the case may be. So, um, yeah, it was, it obviously not a good night for Minnesota. And, uh, I'm, I'm sure they will be more prepared, uh, mentally, uh, and focused
1: tonight. So you know we'll have to see you, you hate to take a beat down like this at any time but they got it on the first of back-to-backs so i would have to think that that was going to be huge motivation for tonight to show that they're a better team than what they exhibited last night in the 6-1 loss that should be a fully motivated team tonight at five o'clock
2: yeah it, it should be it but but let's give credit to Notre dame they you know Notre dame's got a really good team they 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 you know jeff jackson um, is um, is really a good coach, and and they play a style that is difficult to play against. They always have great goaltending. Um, they're they're tough, and they're going to be a tough out come playoff time. So um, yeah, the Gophers better be ready uh, for
1: another hard fought game today. The rematch is at five o'clock tonight. If you want to listen to it, you can. Wally and Frank back on the call starting at five o'clock. Right here on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM as we look at the out of town scoreboard. You mentioned the big one from last night. Um, and that's a stunner. Colorado College at home takes out North Dakota. 7-1 is the final out at Colorado Springs. So, like you say, everyone's human. These nights happen. It happened to the Gophers well, last night. It happened to the, uh, the Fighting Hawks as well.
2: You know, it, it, it's really interesting You know, when, when you look at some of these teams, and, and, and some teams just don't match up um, well against another team. And, and, and this same Colorado College team went up to Grand Forks and swept them earlier in the year. So, you know, for whatever reason, North Dakota's having a difficult time against uh, Colorado College. I'm sure they will bounce back tonight because they're they're – too good a team i think this is their first uh um loss in regulation since mid-november something like that i'd have to to double check uh, the exact date but north dakota has been on a roll uh they're 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 an awfully good team and i think they'll they'll
1: probably bounce back tonight. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to talk to Bruce Siski out there in uh, Duluth. And I and, and because of that, I was watching their game a little bit last night, and I thought, okay, is just going to blow this team out. It's 4-2 late in regulation. Nope. Hold the, hold, hold the phone. Scott Sandlin motivates his squad. They score twice late in regulation. Bruce is all jubilant. And then, of course, Denver scores in overtime. And then, <laughs> I can't wait for you to hear that goal call, because he was less than excited uh, for the DU Pioneers winning it in OT, but it was an exciting game up there in Amsoil Arena.
2: Yeah, Denver's uh, I think um, number one in the country in goals for or average anyhow, and and you know they they a lot of a lot of people expect them to be in St. Paul at the end of the year, and you know listen what Scott Sandlin has done this year with with his team, um, you know they're they're I don't know sixth in in their league right now, but. He's lost his top three centers. Um, they've had multiple injuries and, and you know what? He's keeping them really competitive. And, you know, that's a team that boy, come playoff time, I don't know if I want to play him because he, you know, he, he, he gets his guys motivated. They play a great system. And, um, you know, I, I just, I wouldn't want to play him in the first round of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, they're always tough. In the CCHA, Augustana was blanked at home against Lake Superior State. We told you about Bemidji State taking out Ferris State. 4-1 was the final on that one. And Bowling Green beat St. Thomas. The they use the shootout to get it done, so it goes down as a three three tie, and that's the magic of college hockey scoreboards. Uh, why don't we take a break, Patrick, and then we'll turn our attention over to the National Hockey League because the Wild have a new old forward returning, Mason Shaw, oh. back in a Wild uniform. I know you're excited about that story.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, wh- wh- what a story! It it it's it's unthinkable what he's done, and uh, I'm, I'm
1: really looking forward to uh, to talking to Mason. Good, because that's next on Beyond the Pond. This is Wild Head Coach John Hines, and you're listening to Beyond the Pond with Fallness and Micheletti
3: on KFAN.
6: It's get- we're running down a dream, and we're bringing you along with us. So I need to get up, get loud, so they hear us in Texas. So say it with me. Let's play
0: hockey. Bring down a man, open in the slot. Steal, curved in front. They score. It's the first NHL goal for Mason Shaw, and he's given the Wild
1: a 2-1 lead. I have zero power, and I have next to no influence. But if it were up to me, Mason Shaw would be the guy doing the let's play hockey before the Wild dropped the puck against the Buffalo Sabres this afternoon at XL Energy Center. Mason, I'm Kevin Fallness. That's Pat Nicoletti. Welcome to Beyond the Pond.
6: Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it.
1: We know you're not in the lineup today. Would you be up for doing a little let's play hockey? And get them fired up again, running down a dream. I don't know if
6: I can. I don't know <laughs> if I can quite replicate. The- That one in the playoffs I had, but when we get back there, maybe we'll see if I can run it back for for a second part. I got a few things up my sleeve if it ever comes back to it.
1: I bet you do. Uh, It's such an awesome story, and it's what an arduous road you've been through. Uh, We'll get into the particulars, but being back on the ice with your teammates yesterday at Tria Rink in St. Paul, it wasn't a game. It wasn't XL Energy Center, but it's the next step in the journey. How cool was it to be back out there and realize that, that dream is almost a reality once again.
6: Yeah, it, honestly, it's kind of hard to put into words. You know, this journey started back in in April when I had the surgery. So um, there's been a lot of people that have helped me get back to this point. I sure couldn't have done it by myself. So yesterday was a was a was a great step on, on getting back on the ice in a game and um, just just filled a lot of excitement to be back here in uh, St. Paul.
2: You know, Mason. Um, you know, hearing you do that let's play hockey re- brought me back to when I first saw you play when I was uh, uh, doing the, the, the Iowa, Iowa Wild TV games. And and I, the first game I watched you play, and I'm like, who is that guy? He is going to make it the NHL because the way you competed uh, and and just, you know, your tenacity, um, just, it, you know, it was just uh, it, it was great to see it. Uh, You've been through so much, uh, but your perseverance um, is—I tell you what—it's a learning lesson to a lot of kids out there. Just to stay with it, keep working, um, don't let anything get you down, and uh, and you're back. And and I'm just so so happy for you.
6: Yeah, no, I I I appreciate the kind words. I think you know more than anything as an athlete and growing up, you know, at some point injuries are going to be a part of your journey and. And I guess learning adversity at, at a young age with some of the things I had to go through definitely, you know, it's helped me to this point. So it's never felt like too much of a daunting task to myself, to be honest, just going through these things. It was just the the next thing I had to do to get back on the ice to be a hockey player because that's, you know, that's all I've ever wanted to do. So um, my role, you know, whether you're you're playing or not, has always kind of been an energy guy and, and bringing jam around the room. So being an undersized guy, you know, basically my whole hockey career, I've always tried to like if i had to work to, you know, to get the respect of your teammates or your peers around you. And, um, you know, if that means you got to skate a little harder or finish your check a little harder, I guess that's something I've always been willing to do. And then with the, with the let's play hockey thing, I mean, I obviously couldn't help on the ice being, you know, a few weeks out of surgery, but I guess if I could fire up the boys before the game, I was doing my part you know, any way I could.
1: Talking to Mason Shaw, making his way back from a fourth ACL injury. Uh, I, I found it interesting, the perspective in the fact that you have gone through this three different times. And to go through it a fourth time, I, I'd in my mind, I'd be like... Oh my god! Again, but I, I thought it was interesting that you had gone through. You had a, a, the plan laid out. How you did it the first three times. Did that make it easier to know that you could do
6: it a fourth fourth time? Uh, it definitely helps knowing what it takes to get through it. I think maybe the one downside is you know how hard it is and, and how much time it takes. I think the hardest thing for me was just is just being patient throughout the whole process. I mean. You know, it's something we still work on every day with the, with the training staff in Iowa and, and out here in Minnesota. So, um, being patient is something I've, I've really tried to learn throughout this, but the self belief and, and just probably sheer stubbornness to get back to playing was, was always my goal and something that I, I never doubted I could get back. It was just if I was going to be given the opportunity and, um, can't say enough good things about the organization here in terms of, of taking care of me when I was injured and, and the whole rehab process throughout the summer. And then obviously, Keeping their word and following through with with the plan we had initially, and, and now getting my you know my shot in the NHL here. So um, now it's my turn to to give back to the organization and and putting out on the ice and helping the team get wins.
2: All right, let, let me ask you this because you know I mean the, the story itself is great and and you know going through four of these, um, but it it's not easy. I mean it it uh, and 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 there were down days. Um, you know, and, and am I ever going to get back? And I know you had the belief in all that, but but um, to to get through that, how did you get through those tough days of
6: of, of getting back uh, in, in, the, yeah. in the proper form? I think there's a few things. Obviously, the people, you know, in, in your close circle, you know, keep you going more than anything else, especially – you know like you said you can have self-belief at the end of the day sometimes this might not respond how you want it to that day or or for that stretch of time but um you know i lean on the people around me a lot uh within the organization guys have been amazing in terms of reaching out and checking in on me and this summer in the early stages i mean there's there's a lot of guys on the team that stayed back around here for the summer so leaned on them a lot to help uh help me get through it and just tried to make the most of this opportunity. I mean, I'm, I was 20, I'm 24 years old, What's 20, was 24 years old going through this. Um, I was getting to be an NHL facility to rehab my knees. I mean, it, it could always be worse. So, um, just lean on the people around you, trust yourself, trust your body. And, um, like I said, I didn't get here by myself, so I got to give a lot of credit to a lot of people because without their help mentally, physically, whatever it may be, everyone played a big part on, on me getting back here. So it's just, it's truly a testament to everyone around me and, um it was pretty easy for me to just follow everyone's lead.
1: How did everything hold up in Iowa? I look at the stats. I see nine games played, four goals, seven points, uh, 13 minutes in penalties. There's our, our Mason Shaw back at it again. Uh, it sounds like yeah. everything went well. Maybe a rocky start, but it ramped up as it went along?
6: Yeah. You know what? I think I knew it was going to be hard the first couple games. American Hockey League's a really good league. I've played in it before, so I knew it wasn't going to be easy whatsoever. And then you just had on top, not playing for 10 months coming off the fourth ACL. There was, there was some things that I just, I had to, you know, hamper my expectations right away and just be patient. And, you know, the first three or four games didn't, you know, didn't go great, but it, I knew that was going to be part of it. Um, but everything held up really well. The last, uh, four or five games I played there, um, team started, you know, we had some success team wise and obviously that helps out individually. So everything held up well. I have full confidence in, uh, in my knee and, I guess the 13 penalty minutes just kind of go along with everything. I managed to find myself in a fight, which which happens every now and again with myself. But um, everything went good, and I'm happy how it held up. So How'd you do in that fight? And, yeah. You know, I guess when the well, opportunity well, comes well, here, I'll well, having, can contribute here. Having
2: 14 14 knee operations myself, um, not to the extent that that you had. Mine were a little bit different, but but mentally, when you went back on the ice. Um, did you have to get yourself to the point where I trust it? I, you know, I trust I can stride properly. And, you know, I mean, how, how was that uh, for you yeah, that was, and, and w- w- when that you was first stepped on the ice? Sure.
6: I mean, you, you, you know, you're able to get on the ice, you know, fairly early now with this surgery. I think I was on the ice probably around that five-month period. And um, it was very light skating and stuff. Uh, but once you start to ramp it up and get into practice, you know, it's a lot of reps just to get your timing back to where you can feel comfortable. And that's uh, and then game. the game's a totally different beast. Obviously, you can prepare as much as you can in practice in terms of being in shape and working your edges and whatnot. But I think once you get into the game and the bullets start flying, that's the real test. So it's the mental side of it, of, of trusting yourself, and, and that's an ongoing battle still. I mean, do I feel like, you know... I'm at 100% skating. Probably not, but I'm I'm getting closer, and uh, every day we're we're working on getting it back. And thankfully, now we're on the other side of this process, and, and I'm playing games and and feeling good on the ice. So um, we've kind of escaped that hurdle of, of, of trusting it again. But that was definitely a major factor in this in this process.
1: It's a uh, exciting time of year too. It's not like you're coming in the dog days of December. You look at the the schedule. Yeah. There's less than 30 games left, and right now this team is probably playing some of its best hockey. They've had some moments this season. They've also had some not great moments, but having won four in a row, seven of their last nine, and within spitting distance of the eighth and final wild card spot in the Western Conference, what's it like to be around this team in the heat of the battle when these games matter the most?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's great. As, as a hockey player, you know, we train all summer. We work early in October, November to get wins to try to be part of this playoff push. Um, you know, I've kept very close tabs on the team all season. You know, I've, I've kept in contact with the guys and watched a lot of games. So I know what's been going on here. And obviously they're playing some really good hockey as of late, as you mentioned. So it's just really exciting to be a part of right now. And, uh, you know, the vibes are very high around here. And this, this goal, you know, this team has a goal of making the playoffs. And, and nothing, is, you know, seems like it's going to be denied right now. So it's really exciting. And, and like you said, it's, it's the best time of year when you're, when you're wrapping up for a playoff push. So I'm just lucky to be part of it right now.
1: Anything else, Patrick?
6: No,
2: I'm good. I just want, I, I'm just uh, anxiously awaiting Mason's return on the ice because I think uh, if it happens at home, that roof might just blow off its top.
1: It's pretty cool. It, and it, I'm trying to think if anyone had a bigger smile on their face than Connor Dewar when he finally saw you put those skates on and get back out there on the ice. Was he your number one fan during this whole process?
6: Yeah, like, like I said, there's been so many guys. You know, on the team that have reached out to me throughout the process um, and just followed along on you know a weekly basis, just checking up on me. Luckily, being able to come back for doctor's appointments, I was able to see the guys you know a few times here and there. But obviously, Con's one of my. It's really rewarding when you get to come back and, and sit by a guy like that in the locker room again and, and, and be around a guy who, who knows what you've been through and you've seen what he's he's done as well. So, ton of respect for Con, and um, obviously, I'm, I'm excited to be back with him and. Hopefully, uh, hopefully be on the ice with them here soon, but whenever that time comes, I'll, I'll be ready for it and just hope, uh, hope the guys keep piling up the win because it's, it's really exciting right now and, you know, nothing, uh, no group, no city rallies around their team like, like the fans do in Minnesota here. So it's amazing and we've got to get them some playoff hockey. So, uh, just keep going full steam ahead here. Awesome
1: stuff. You're an easy guy to root for. Keep it going, and we look forward to seeing you on the ice in a real game real soon, and that's going to be amazing. It's going to be great for you. We're all just along for the ride, so congrats, Mason. Uh, welcome back to the to the show. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, and we'll see you guys soon. There you go, Mason Shaw. What a What a road he's been through, Patrick. Uh, Fourth-round pick by the Wild back in 2017. Uh, established himself as a regular NHLer last year, 59 games with the Minnesota Wild, got into the playoffs, ended up getting his injury on April 1st against Las Vegas, and then he's got that long and grinding road back, and uh, it looks like it's coming to fruition. He signs the the two-way contract to get him through the end of the season, but who would have thought when he left the ice on April 1st last year that we knew it was possible. It didn't seem probable, yet here he is.
2: He's a guy,
1: Kevin, who knows his
2: role and wants to be the best at that role. You know, he's he's a third, fourth line guy. He brings a ton of energy, um, you know, just exactly what you're looking for. And you know what? When he has a great shift on the ice, everybody knows it on the bench. And, and that gets... Everybody else fired up. And, and, um, you know, he's just a spark plug of a guy. And, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, well, you can't even imagine what he has gone through, uh, with four ACL tears. And, um, you know, you just, you know, you applaud him. You know, you just applaud him and,
1: uh, and uh, hopefully he'll get his chance soon. Open phone lines to the top. They are. We do have Joe Smith from The Athletic and TheAthletic.com joining us about 11 o'clock. Bruce Siski from Duluth will join us about 11.35. We got Brett Blakemore's breakaways to squeeze in at some point as well. But if you want to get in, you got about a 15 minute window here 800 320 5326. You can also text us 646 Hat may be in Chicago, but I'm in the KFAN studio, so you can also hit us up with an email, booth at KFAN.com. This team, that that lineup that he's trying to crack all of a sudden, Patrick, like I said to him, they've won four in a row. They've won seven of their last nine, and that top line is electric. I don't know what it was that uh, I I know what John Hines saw in the three guys they put together on that top line, but they gelled immediately in Chicago, and it's been a magical ride ever since.
2: Well, you know, you and I have talked about it. I, you know, I I think um, I you know I think this team you know their 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 top guys have played pretty consistent throughout the year. It's 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 been that that bottom half of the lineup that that's kind of hurt them a little bit. And you know, right now everybody's playing well and and they feel good about themselves. And a lot of it, you know, is attitude. And and um, and right now they're feeling good. I mean, two weeks ago. You know, when we had Bill Guerin on and, and they, they were playing Anaheim and they didn't play well and, and they lost the game. And, you know, it's just the ups and downs of a very, very long season. And, you know, listen, they're going to need some help still. There's there's no question about it. The road is going to be difficult, but um, they're hanging in right now. And that's, that's
1: um, you know,
2: that's, that's the best we can hope for.
1: Kaprizov, Jule Eriksson and Boldy, in the last three games, they combined for something like 17 points. What is it about the three of them that complement each other so well?
2: Well, I mean, I think they all bring a little bit something different uh, to the table. You you know what you're going to get out of Eck, right? I mean, he's just, he's a bull. He, you know, he's, you know, he gets to the front of the net and, um, uh, you know, and he, he just, he's, he's solid all over the ice. And Caprice Up, you know, we, we we all know about him, right? And, you know, the the different ways that he can score goals. And, and, uh, you know, I think Matt Boldy, you know, he's such a good player. You know, he's, you know, he's got the side. He can shoot the puck. He, he, you know, it's, it's, for him, it's just being, um, more consistent night in and night out. And, you know what we've seen out of him lately, and 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 listen—he's still a young kid, and he's still figuring all that out. But man, when when he gets going, he, um, you know, he's, you know, he's he's really, really good. And right now, they're all um, they're all playing well, and and that's what this team needs. They need they need production out of that line every night, and um, and they're getting it right now.
1: Selkie's the award for the best two-way forward, correct? Eck. But that, that, yeah, no, but that's that's what the award is. That's the Selkie. Yes. So I was looking um, at the,
2: uh, more of a defensive, but
1: yes, I yeah. was looking at the Athletic and they had a uh, a poll, I think, of their writers and and their bloggers, uh, and and we can get into this with Joe Smith as well. Uh, yeah, Sasha Barkov. They had as the number one candidate for the Selkie award. They didn't have Eck even in the top fifteen. I don't think of, of players mentioned, which really surprises me. Why doesn't he get more credit for that? Because as big of a pain in the neck as he is in front of his net, he's as equally as as valuable on the other end of the ice.
2: Well, you know, maybe hey, listen, you know, you know his personality, right? Um, if if uh, if he didn't have to talk to anybody, he probably wouldn't, right? Yeah. I mean, and and he's just so um, he just goes out there and plays and. If he's not a top three for the Selkie, uh, I mean, look at his production this year. He's gonna he's gonna break his single season mark for for goals by the end of the season. And um, you know, I, you ask you ask any coach in the league, and they say and they would say, "Yep, I, I want him as my as as a center on my team." And um, you know, he he's starting to. I, I wouldn't put him in the uh, Patrice Bergeron um mold yet, but he's certainly with with the way he's producing offensively, um, he's not that far behind him. And, you know, that's a guy who's what won the talkie how many times. Yeah, right. And 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 so, um, you know, I and guess what? I I bet she doesn't care if he gets it or not. He he doesn't have that type of mentality. He just goes out and wants to help his team win games. And is, and um, and
1: he's been terrific. Is he a better version of Miko Koivu because Koivu was wonderful oh, no, and no. On, on both ends yeah, of the I mean, ice, Miko, but
2: you know, Miko had at what was his best year—that's seventy some odd points. You you could probably I don't have that off the top of my head, but but you know, I I, I think he is, and I think he's got you know, I I, I think Nico had more offense in him, but he he knew was you know it was a different team, right? Yep. Different teams that he that he played on. And and so, but I think uh, I think Ek has a little bit more um, flair to his offensive game, and and you know we're starting to see that now.
1: You were spot on, by the way. Best season for Miko Koybu seventy one points back in two thousand ten. Most goals he had in a season was 22. And again, the legacy yeah. of Miko Koivu in a wild uniform doesn't need to be challenged in any way, shape, or form. Sure, but I think the all. season and the career that Jules Ericsson X is piecing together, right now he leads the wild in goals with 24. I think he's up to 10 power play goals, which is towards the top of the league, by the way, with guys like Kucherov, uh, who's got many more than that. But I'm talking about in the top 10, I think, of power play scorers in the National Hockey League. Beck is in the upper echelon.
2: Well, his ability, you know, I mean, he's got great hand-eye coordination and his ability to tip pucks, to find pucks, you know, uh, after a rebound, um, to get in the right spots, to want to get to that area of the ice. Listen, most goals are scored from about four feet out, you know, four feet out and in. and um, And he thrives at that area. And... You know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's just not about getting there. It's knowing how to do it and, and, and where to find pucks and, and things like that. And, um, you know, he just does a
1: terrific job at that. You're going to hate this part of the athletic poll. They also talked about the rookie of the year and of course you know where I'm going with this. They said that uh, they hoped that Brock Faber enjoyed his time in the spotlight because Bedard is back and now it's a shoe-in. I think they gave a resounding no doubt about it that Bedard's the rookie of the year despite all the uh, equity that uh, Faber has built up.
2: Well, he's in Chicago and he was the number one overall draft pick. So... And we know how good he is and he is, he is good. And he, I mean, he's great. He's going to have a great career, but there is nobody in the league as a rookie that has done as much for his team than Brock Faber. And I think, I think Faber will get um, votes for the Norris. I, I really do. I, I believe that wholeheartedly you and I have talked about this uh, before Kevin and um I just I don't know where this team would be without him. Um, he has been that good, and you know, and you know, people can say what they want, but the reality is, Brock Faber.
1: be your rookie of the year i think it's clear we need to talk to joe smith and get him to rattle the cages of his fellow athletic writers because they're the guys that are saying that nope it's going to bedard no matter what faber has done and i think we both agree that that is a bad point of view why don't we uh, take a break and then when we continue we'll check in with russo's colleague at the athletic joe smith is next on beyond the
6: pond this is Wilds' Captain Jared Spurgeon, and you're listening to Fallness and Nicoletti
0: on Beyond the Pond. Programming. Sub- Eric Senex steals in the neutral zone. Headman's Boldy stepping free. He's got some space. Right circle. Boldy with a shot the shot. the safe. It goes in. Boldy scores. It
3: was a big game for us, you know. Something that uh, we had talked about is these games are you know really four point games are against teams that you're contending with uh, to to climb up in the standings. So it's nice to see the guys have a good good two games here and get to, uh, four points.
1: John Hines on this team rattling off four consecutive victories. All of a sudden, they've won seven of their last nine. They got a big one on the ice today at XL Energy Center as they host the Buffalo Sabres. Pat Nicoletti, Kevin Falness, this is Beyond the Pond. Joined now by Joe Smith of The Athletic and TheAthletic.com. Joe, I said they've got a big game today. You know what? With under 30 games left to go and you're trying to scramble your way into the top eight, every game's a big game.
4: No, absolutely. They're all they're all playoff games at this point. Good to be with you guys this morning. But uh, yeah, it's clearly when you go on this kind of run and you win those divisional games like you do in Arizona, you can't you can't uh, you know slip up here against Buffalo, who's definitely had a more disappointing season than they thought they would have going into the year.
1: I'm guessing. And no fault of yours, going into the All-Star break, most people were ready to bury the Minnesota Wild. They blew those two late leads against Nashville and a very bad Anaheim Ducks team. They go into the All-Star break, and it felt like they blew their opportunity. Are you as shocked as everyone else that they've resurrected their playoff hopes here with these four consecutive wins? Nothing's done yet, but they put themselves in a lot better position than they were you know, a couple of weeks ago.
4: Well, it certainly didn't look good, I and mean, it 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 wasn't just really wasn't good optics. Like if you're if you're Bill Guerin and you saw those last two games, you blow one goal lead and you lose the Ducks, especially that last game, that has to tell you something. But you know, a few games before that, all of a sudden they were they won in Florida, they won in Carolina, so they showed signs of a team that when they're healthy and playing what they're capable of, that they're you know that they could beat these really good teams, and now you're seeing. I think it's all the complete buy-in from the entire group. And before, it's been maybe a few guys playing well or this or that, but now I think you're seeing a complete, uh, for the most part, the lineup. Everybody's kind of stepping up, not just Brock Faber carrying the blue line. Obviously, Brodine being back really helps. Um, but the, the the best players are being their best players, and that's how the John Hines era started with the 11 and 3 run when Kaprizov and Boldy were playing at their best. So it's no coincidence that this run has coincided with you know, the Boldy, X and Caprizovs and, uh, favors of the world delivering, and they'll need that more, uh, down the stretch here.
2: Yeah, Joe, I, you know, the, the, I, I look at this team and, you know, I mean, obviously, when we, when we talk about the team or people look at the team, you know, they're, they're going to look at the top players. And, and for the most part, I think anyway, um, you know, you know, the, the top six is, have, have been, pretty good to, you know, even better. I think it's been the bottom half of the lineup, you know, when you look at them, I think they were a minus 40-something and, you know, yes, we we don't have to always, you know, look at plus-minus, but but the bottom half of the lineup has started to play better. Hence, we're starting to
4: see some wins now. On the fourth line, especially, um, was Harry Lucini and Dewar, since the All-Star break, they've been playing the role perfectly i think and i think it was interesting well yesterday john hines you know without being prompted saying when asked about mason shaw coming back said there's a few guys up front that have been disappointing needs to play better and the will maybe light a fire under them and i think he was specifically talking about guys like freddie goudreau and that his line <clears> with ryan hartman brandon Hame. so perhaps having shaw back and you know he's going to give 100 effort waiting in the wings will will light a fire under these guys because you know Everyone likes Freddie as a person. He's an incredible person. He's a selfless player. Uh, but he certainly has had a really disappointing season, uh, both offensively and just overall. Uh, he's usually a Swiss Army knife where he can play the PK. He can play where he goes defensively. But they need more production out of those guys and, and just better overall uh, productive shifts because they can't all be, like you know, way in the top line uh, the rest of the way. So uh, that's what I mean by complete buy-in and getting the whole group to to play to their capability because um, they're not this, this superstar-studded team that can get, kind of just have a, uh, 70% game and win. They, need a, they all play to their capability to beat good teams.
1: Another guy that's been waiting in the wings is Declan Chisholm. Uh, picked up off of waivers from Winnipeg. My working knowledge is less than most people's probably. I haven't seen him play. I know nothing about him other than what I've read from The Athletic and TheAthletic.com and what I've seen via stats what did you see from him yesterday in practice, and what should we expect from Declan Chisholm in a Minnesota Wild uniform?
4: Well, he's a big but he could skate, um, and his strength is, is moving the puck. That's in breakouts and all that kind of stuff, which may seem boring to a common fan, but it's really important in kind of fueling uh, the Wild's defense and kind of pushing it out and, and creating that transition. He did get some reps on the second power play unit, which could be a sign that he might be doing that um, for the Wild today or maybe in the next game um but he's a young guy he's, he's obviously he's motivated he put on waivers by um winnipeg had to wait his turn but it helped him learn the system and get more comfortable and kind of find a place in minnesota and then he's hoping that i think this will be a great opportunity for him to kind of get back in the lineup and potentially stick so um they saw what they, they liked him for a reason they saw some capabilities there especially with the ability to skate and move the puck so uh, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of plays today
2: Hey, Joe, we're we're, uh, we're getting closer and closer uh, to the trade deadline. Um, do you see, um, first of all, m- do you think there'll be very much movement? And, and who in the West do you think might make a move to, well, you know, energize them or put them over the top?
4: That's a good question. I mean, I think you, you look around the league and there's not a, a ton of, like, you know, big names across the board like Gensel is one of the bigger ones, and he's injured. He still could get moved, but he's out for three to four weeks. Uh, as far as the Wilds concerned, I don't think they're going to be a major player, especially on the buying front. And I think that you know the way that they're playing, they might be too close to the playoff edge to really do a lot of selling. Um, I think Mark Andre Fleury is the big name you talk about a lot, but I think he really wants to stay, and, and he feels that if they're competitive and they're able to be a playoff team. I think he wants to. Finish the year here, and he'd be one of the bigger trade ships the Wild would have, along with potentially Pat Maroon, who is injured, and and Brandon Duhamel. So it kind of all depends on how the next couple of weeks goes for the Minnesota Wild, as far as if they get into that stellar category, uh, which they hope for themselves or not. But uh, around the league, as far as the the Western Conference, I think uh, the Avalanche could potentially looking for another goalie to help them down the stretch. Um, you know, they're a really loaded team, but they're not perfect between the pipes, so that could be one team. Uh, we saw what Winnipeg has done already so far. Um, you know, Edmonton, I think they built a cup for bus kind of season, so I could see them making a move potentially on their blue line to get somebody before because they were really playing at a high level. So, um, but as far as around the league, that's where I think it's going to be going.
1: Talking to Joe Smith of The Athletic and TheAthletic.com, you and Russo have reported on those two Russian stars playing over in the KHL. Uh, What have you heard, uh, and maybe what's the update on Husandinov and Yurov? Uh, Husandinov in particular, who you guys are hinting at, could be uh, in a wild sweater sometime in the month of March.
4: Very well could be. Uh, After the season's over for him, we believe it's a very good chance that he could be signed by the Wild uh, as soon as in a couple weeks here once that season's over and whether he where he starts when he starts when the visa situation gets figured out remains to be seen but i think he could you know definitely play in for the wild uh at some point by the end of the season here um you know we're still kind of waiting on that one uh then reports back and forth about um whether he's signing for another year or not which the wild wouldn't be totally opposed to since he does play like top minutes uh in the khl at this particular point uh versus the ahl so um, but Houston Dinov, uh, there's a really good chance. I think we're going to see him um, playing for the Wild uh, in coming weeks uh, once the season's over uh, overseas.
1: What, what kind of impact could he have? What have you heard about Houston Dinov? The play- I've seen as much of Houston Dinov as I've seen of Declan Chisholm. So what have you heard yeah. about him, and what kind of impact could he have in the, the final push here?
4: That's a good question because none of us have really seen him, right? Like, he hasn't been in development camps. He hasn't really been. Uh, you can watch some video online a little bit, but but certainly there's a. Um, a good amount of skill with him and, and the skating ability and, um, somebody I think, you know, I'm not sure right away, like more in the middle six, maybe right away, uh, to play. He's not like a fourth line grinder kind of player. He's a guy who could play with some really good players. So, um, I just a matter of how that adaptation to the North American game goes and I'm playing pro hockey at this level. So I wouldn't want to put a lot on him right away, but I think it's to be good for the wild to kind of see what they have in here after all the hype and people talking about. These guys that we might be coming over between him and Yurov and Ogren, kind of see what they look like at the North American level. So interesting to see if that does happen, but we definitely believe it could happen in coming weeks here uh, when the season's over.
2: Joe, Minnesota
4: has Buffalo coming in today, and, and you know, and, and at the beginning of the year, if you,
2: you looked at their lineup, you thought, you know what, um, this team, you know, might be able to to make a run at the playoffs. They have not had a good season. What can uh, what can Minnesota fans expect out of Buffalo today?
4: Well, you know, like it's, I thought, you know, going into the year, you look at teams that could make a, a little run towards the playoff with Ottawa and Buffalo were two like, kind of popular picks, right? I mean, their goaltending yep. has been shaky. Like, they've had some some of the top youngest players in the game, right, with uh, Tage Thompson. I love Alex Tuck's game. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, really good players there. I still don't know if they really kind of really bought in um quite yet but you know they're definitely a team that if you you kind of have an off period or off game they can they can score some goals and, get, and they can actually kind of upset a team like the wild who's in a, a very precarious position playoff wise uh wild right now i believe are five points back at st louis and um for that last final playoff spot so uh it could be a dangerous team because they're playing for guys want to prove for themselves for jobs for next season but um interesting to see how it plays
1: out today when you look at the final 30 games or whatever it is that's left on the uh, schedule for the wild it is a relatively soft schedule except for this upcoming week you get past the buffalo sabers then you got to go to vancouver we know how good they've been you, are, you have vancouver in here on monday afternoon then you go to winnipeg and that's always a disastrous trip and then you go to edmonton uh does that put extra significance on the importance of these two points today in st paul
4: Oh, absolutely. Like, you're not saying that those points are throwaway games, because I think the Wilds could win those games. But, you know, you're right. Monday against a potential first round matchup, one versus eight, if they get in to play Vancouver. Um, you know, Edmonton has just been kind of flying for the most part. So, and, and Winnipeg in a back to back, um, uh, considering uh, what's been going on with these two teams will be really tough. So yeah, you can't, it's like those games at the end of the, the, before the All-Star break, really missed opportunities. The Ducks and the, and the national predators at home. These are at home game right here. When you're playing really well, you're fresh. You have a couple of days between games. This is one of those games you absolutely cannot lose today. The Minnesota Wild. And Kevin, I'm going to
2: correct you. There is no soft schedule in the National <laughs> Hockey League. I don't care. You're if right. If you don't come to play, if you don't come to play, you're going to get beat. Yeah. And and you know we we see that um, you know every night in the National Hockey League.
1: Wild shot in that first matchup against uh, Arizona. That six-zero beatdown in St. Paul. So hopefully that was a lesson learned. Uh, let's let you go on this note, uh, Joe. You're I think roughly thirty-five games into the tenure of John Hines as head coach of the Minnesota Wild. How would you assess how he's done since taking over in early December, late November? I think he's
4: done pretty well so far. I mean, I, I think obviously there was that rough stretch after the eleven and three start, which also coincided with the fact of uh, of losing. Uh, Capri off and Gustafson just before a hard part of the schedule against Winnipeg, Dallas, and um, and Colorado. So um, he's just a really good communicator. Like he has a lot of individual meetings with guys. I think he gets the best out of some guys like Matt Boldy. You look at his stats and since John Hines has come come along, um, he practices a little bit more than Dean Evison did uh, just for different reasons. But uh, I think overall it's, it's too early to judge him too much. But I think considering the way he communicates and the way guys buy in and the way, like he runs practices and everything. He has a really calm demeanor on the bench. So I think overall it's a pretty good start. And obviously, we'll be, you we can judge, judge judge him more after this, uh, this regular season's over if they make the playoffs or not. Because once you take over a team in the middle of the year, you know something's gone wrong. So you have to do some fixing a little bit.
1: This is what I want to know. How did you hook both the trip to Florida and Las Vegas from Russo?
4: Well, I think it wasn't part of my contract, as Russo said online. <laughs> but to get the early, I, coming from Tampa after 15 years, I did, did get a grace period. Uh, to go see some friends and uh, people back there, did some lightning stories as well as I'm sure you guys saw. Um, yeah. But to, to be fair, to be fair, uh, Russo does get a few Vegas trips a year, both for work and several for
1: on his own. So I don't think I don't think Vegas is missing him too much. I think you're probably right. I, I said the last thing. I got to throw this one in because you mentioned the Tampa Bay connection. Micheletti saying McKinnon is the odds-on favorite for a league MVP. I'm picking McDavid. But I'm thinking you probably have a pretty good feel that Kucherov should be the guy with the, uh, however many games left to go. Why is Kucherov the guy over McKinnon or McDavid?
4: Well, I, I think he, he plays a more understated game than, than the speed of McDavid and McMcKinnon do. Um, his points are, production is certainly um, higher at this point in the season. But I, I think you look based at the most valuable player award based upon the most valuable player to their team, uh, I think this year, um, you look at the numbers to back it up, if the Lightning didn't have Kucherov and what he was able to do, they might not be in a playoff position right now. Um, with Vasilevsky missing the first two months, um, the, all the guys that they lost are just due to salary cap and some injuries. And I think he's has the best hockey of his career even before, even more than the 18-hard trophy season. So I'm not saying it should be a lock, but I think that he should be up in that conversation more than maybe he is right now, um, considering the circumstances.
1: Joe thanks for the contributions both oh. online in person and now on the phone. We uh we always love catching up with our buddies from the athletic and theathletic.com. Thank you so much guys. We'll see you at the rate today. Yes, Thank you me. will. Right. There there okay. he is Joe Smith of the athletic and theathletic.com. Did he sell you Kucherov?
2: Uh, you know what, Kevin, you got Posternak, you got Kucherov, you, you got McKinnon, you got McDavid, you got Matthews. Um, it, you know what, uh, all are deserving. Uh
1: yeah, Matthews but, is on pace for like 70 goals, know. man. I don't know. It's really hard. Yeah, it is. All right. You ready for Brett Blakemore's breakaways? <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to that after the break. Pat Michaletti in Chicago, Kevin Fallness in St. Louis Park. On the other side of the glass, Brett Blakemore. His breakaways are next. This is Wild
3: GM Bill Guerin, and you're listening to Fallness and Michaletti on Beyond the Pond on KFAN.
1: Got a dad. Patrick, congratulations in order. Before we get to Brett Blakemore and his breakaways, the Girls State High School Hockey Tournament, of course, coming up later on this week in St. Paul. Uh, the Class 8 brackets are out. and It'll start at 11 a.m. on Wednesday, I assume. That's February 21st. Wilmer will take on Orono. Then it's Fergus Falls against Dodge County. Laverne against the Holy Angels. Proctor Hermantown against Warrow. that's your uh, setup there in Class A I don't have the AA in front of me I don't know that it's been released but awesome that uh, the girls tournament is now the boys tournament right around the corner I know they got section finals coming up here in the very near future on the boys side
2: yeah congratulations to all the teams and man this this uh, you know we talked about it Kevin this season goes by so fast and uh, here we are it's tournament time
1: you know what does not go fast? Brett Blakemore's Breakaways.
5: That's very it's crap. time for Brett Blakemore's breakaway. What a segue.
0: Even though you wanted to.
1: So. Capriza. Score! And now,
4: Blakemore's
0: Breakaways. Are you much of a skater, Brett? Yes, of you course. are. You well. What do you mean? Of course. Why? Of course. Come on, I'm a hockey guy. Well, you that doesn't make skater. you an
1: obvious skater, but uh, that's interesting. I, I was wondering what you would actually look like on a breakaway.
0: I'd be all right. I mean, I play men's league. I'm in there, so you have to <laughs> I My men's league. <laughs> I play men's actively. Oh, yeah. uh, anyways, do you
2: uh, do you um, uh, try to emulate the play of Marcus Foligno when you're out on <laughs> men's league night?
0: <laughs> uh not actively but i end up emulating felino when i get zero points interesting so anyways oh. Man, shots delivered here we go the wild though are red hot uh they've what they're going for five in a row today seven of their last nine is it yes sir uh has this changed your hopes your expectations for just making the playoffs there's still five points out there's a long way to go but it is a positive sign they got to keep this going for a while how do you feel about your hopes of just making the playoffs?
1: Patrick, you know where I stand. I always said that there was always hope when you look at the rest of the teams they're chasing. None of them are, are world beaters, nor are the Wild, but there's no reason to think they can't catch them. I always had hope. I always had belief. Has your opinion uh, and your faith changed uh, during this current streak?
2: No. I Of course, I want them to, and and uh, but I, I, I think the... Uh, the road is going to be too tough, uh, to be, um, perfectly honest with you. Uh, I hope I'm dead wrong, but, um, it, it's really, really going to be difficult. Um, look at, they won four in a row and they're still five points out. And so that's, that's why I get a little hesitant, um, to have the belief if, if they get into a position where they're tied, um, then I, w- I would give them, uh, you know, absolutely. But until they, until they can get into a spot, it um, can be tough.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I, I feel like in this league, the way the points are, with it just being two yep. points for a win, it's just hard to make up ground. Uh, it's easy for teams to hang around even if they're not playing great hockey with the overtime rules. And if they went to like a 3-2-1 or a 3-1 and, uh, or something like gonna that. That's not going to happen. But regardless. Well, it'd be easier. to be I, I more agree. exciting. But you also have a ton of head-to-head matchups, including
1: Seattle coming up here later on this week. You take care of business against the teams you're going head-to-head with, you have the opportunity to climb the ladder. But if you have games like you did against Arizona in the first meeting or blow third period leads against a crappy Anaheim Ducks team, you're going to get what you deserve. But if they continue to play like they have been playing. I still hold out hope that
0: they can make the playoffs. Now, moving to if they make the playoffs, I would say at least for the past six, seven years, if not the entire organization's history, the reason they get bounced to the playoffs more times than not is there is no depth scoring whatsoever. Uh, you even look at the bubble when Felino or not Felino, when Fiala was the only scorer there and then they shut down Fiala and that was it. Same with Kaprizov in Vegas the first time they played in Vegas. They shut him down, and that was it. So there's no depth scoring. Do you think there's enough depth scoring if they make the playoffs, if they make this magical run, that they would be able to manufacture goals and maybe make a run?
2: Well, I I look at it a little bit differently. I I think that in past years, I think they've been – Not bullied, but I think the size factor has a big part of it. And, um, I think that's been a, you know, and so when teams can start to take advantage of you a little bit, I think that's been more the problem than depth scoring, if you will. Um, and if you're going to win in the playoffs, you better have great goaltending. You better have a great penalty kill and you better have a great power play. And be healthy. And that's what's hindered them uh, most significantly to me in the past playoff runs.
1: And be healthy. I mean, the, especially last year when you're missing your most important player. Maybe not your best player, who's Kirill Kaprizov, but missing your most important player in uh, Jule Ericsson. Boy, oh boy, that put you behind the eight ball but I really feel like we're putting the cart before the horse I, I, I really thought you were going to say how did the wild match up against the Canucks if they do scramble into the top eight so I was relieved to hear that was not the question
0: go ahead yeah I just I couldn't disagree more the stars just outskilled us and then when the wild try to run around and play their game they took penalties Felino gets tossed from the game they can't win a face off power play goals galore they had more skill than we did and I think that's why they won the series but okay. that's that's just my two cents uh, we love Mason Shaw here and obviously he was on the show what an hour or so ago um with all the ACL recoveries it do we feel like we have to temper our – I know we're all happy that he's made it back and we salute him what's the expectations realistically for him coming back into this team is he gonna fourth line is he gonna you know solve up uh it's a great improve story. The penalty kill it's, it's a, a great, great story, story more than anything, but what is his expectations going
1: forward what this are your season? expectations for him what, what, what are your thoughts on him? Hey, talking I'm, me? I'm talking to you because my expectations are this is a great story. And whatever he contributes is found money. The fact that he would probably get on the fourth line. He was an established NHLer before he got hurt last year. He established a role in the National Hockey League. And if he can get back in there and, and scramble his way back in the lineup, I can't see him taking him out once he gets in there. He, he's got that drive. But my expectations, is he going to score 50 goals in the last 30 games? No. No. He's going to be a guy that's going to be a role player on the fourth line and and help add depth and also a guy that can kill penalties.
0: I agree with Patrick, completely. Yeah, I I think I
2: stated my my, uh, point about him earlier in the show uh, after we had him on. Um, He is what he is. He knows his role. He is a third, fourth liner. He brings energy. He can kill penalties. Um, He's not your typical goal scorer. So... I would expect that type of play out of him once he returns.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Great story, and we're happy that he's back. I think some of the reaction I saw on online was like, let's temper, let's remember who Mason is, and he'll help out in the ways that he can. And uh, he's a great penalty killer, but he's not the, the season changer. Like, here we go now. The you know, I just think we need to temper our expectations a little bit. Um, well, let me get this stadium series this weekend starting tonight will you watch either one of the games as it interest you at all man i hate to sound like a curmudgeon but i
1: don't care unless it's in my my vicinity if i'm going to it awesome if it's in target field or target center or target the building at knollwood then i've got a, a, a drive to pay attention to it but it doesn't move the needle anymore for me patrick yeah, I'll be working,
2: so no, I won't be able to uh, to take that in. So, um, you know, I don't know how you feel about outdoor games. If I'm a fan um, and a hockey fan and I'm going to watch a game, I'd rather watch it inside. But that's me, and I know it's uh, the hoopla and, the, and and the fans love it and what what have you, but it doesn't do much for me. It's a cool anyway. spectacle.
1: It, it is, and if you're there, I, I just... To be in the upper reaches of some of these arenas and try to see what's happening on the ice, it's, you know, you're there just because, you, so you can say you were there. I, I, I for me, it's kind of run its course. But.
2: Kevin, Kevin, you, you really have never seen a true outdoor game.
1: I have. Why? <laughs> what do you mean?
2: Because you're either in a studio or. Up in the press box behind glass. Yeah, you know what? The the one warm.
1: So I know. You know
2: how would you know? You're
1: you're right. The one at Target Field was actually fun, but again, it was in my vicinity. I don't care what's happening in New York, Philadelphia, or Hawaii. But I'm
2: just saying, you truly haven't seen an outdoor game.
1: You You know know what? My my, uh, at the time, twelve year old and my wife went to the Winter Classic when it was here. They didn't even make it through the first period. It was that cold. They said, "Nope." Don't care enough. We said we were here. We took our selfies. We're getting in the car. We're going home where it's warm. So, yeah, it's it's tough. And I was behind pre, glass.
2: <laughs> your pregame, your intermission, um, your postgame, all outside, but you didn't.
1: There's a lot of things I could have done that was not on yeah. the agenda. Uh, you got, got one more? I got one, one more. more Chris, and then one. we got to
0: roll. This is something that I kept forgetting to put in breakaways, and it's, it's short and sweet. It's time to bring back crowd chant as the goal song. I'm over shout. I'm let's go crazy is a good thing that keep you awake at night. Yes. Let's bring back crowd chant. I loved it. Nobody overthinks the minutia more than Brett. And I don't want to hear Beastie Boys after the wild concede ever again. I don't want (laughs) to hear sabotage ever again at the X. All right. Not once. Do you have an opinion? Brett, I
4: was
2: going to compliment you on your breakaway. I'm not going to.
1: You tripped over the blue line, and that's unfortunate. Uh, I stand by it. Don't worry about the minutia. Enjoy life. Don't let the little things bog you down. You're going to be old and gray here. before you know it. I know. They were your breakaways. Wonderful job as always. Thank you. we got to break away to a break because coming up, we're going to talk a little more college hockey with our buddy Bruce Siski. Wait till you hear the overtime winner last night for DU against his beloved Bulldogs. That alone will get you to tune in next on Beyond the Pond. This is Ryan Hartman of the Minnesota Wilds, and you're listening to the best hockey show anywhere, Beyond the Pond on the... Final 20 minutes here of Beyond the Pond. Hopefully you've enjoyed the excursion (laughs) thus far. Patrick clearing his throat, and for good reason. Uh, Not only are we going to talk to Bruce Siski here in a matter of moments, Patrick, but we've got tickets to give away for the NCHC Frozen face-off coming up in March. Why don't we do this, uh, Brett? Let's do Caller 11. Call into 800-320-5326. We'll give you a pair of tickets to get on down to XL Energy Center to see college hockey in
0: person in St. Paul. What else you got for that there, Brett? Yeah, it's uh, March 22nd and 23rd at Caller 11, 1-800-320-5326. This is a pair of tickets for both days. 1-800-320-5326, Caller 11. Goes the NCHC frozen Faceoff?
1: Get on though, that phone line now. Maybe the UMD Bulldogs will be there, Patrick. I was watching their game late in regulation last night. It was unbelievable. Uh, DU skating with a 4-2 advantage. Two and a half minutes left to go and a furious finish by the Bulldogs. They score twice late in regulation. They force overtime and then Bruce Siski with the overtime call.
5: Here comes Denver. Thompson walks in and scores. My goodness. Way too easy. Denver wins. Bulls did not play that very well at all.
1: Oh, Bruce, I could hear your heartbreak in the middle of that call. There's nothing better than a game winner when it's the opposition in your barn. <laughs> Oh, I'm so I'm so happy you had that audio. That's awesome. <laughs> what What went wrong there at the end of? I mean, that's a very good DU team, and you guys, uh, the, the Bulldogs, went toe to toe late in regulation with a couple of late ones, a furious finish, but end up falling in overtime. What was the scene like there at Amsoil Arena?
5: It was as good a comeback as you're going to see, we we're pretty sure that the last time the Bulldogs scored two extra attacker goals in a game. Was against Micheletti's goal, uh, in the, in Micheletti's Gophers' rink, I should say against Princeton in the 09 NCAA regional at Mariucci. We think that's the last time it happened and that's 15 years ago. So <laughs> it's been a little while. Uh, it was awesome. And then the, the air just comes out of the building when Aiden Thompson gets free in overtime and, uh, whips one through the five hall. Zach stays who played a hell of a game last night and, and deserved a
3: better fate, but.
5: Like I said Denver's a good team, and you know the Bulldogs made a mistake. Scott Sandlin called it a brain fart in three on three, and uh, Denver's too good a team to have that kind of brain fart against. I think you agree. Yeah, but
2: you, know, you know what, Bruce? Uh, even though you lost the game, you get a point. It's unfortunate you don't get the win, but what Scott Sandlin has done with this team—I mean, you can—you know—I mean—they're not high in the standings. We get that, but I mean they are competing every night, and they've and. You know they've lost some some pretty good players to injury and academics, what have you. Um, how is he holding this team together?
5: I, I think it's it's a credit to him, right? Um, you kind of hit the nail on the head. These guys are, are they don't quit, and I know it's it's easy to say you shouldn't quit, you shouldn't you shouldn't let down or or whatever when bad things happen. But you know you look at last night, you get down two nothing late in the first, and then. You can think what you want of the calls, but the call's made, and you're shorthanded for the first seven minutes of the second period against a power play that's hitting it like 27%. And you've got every reason to think at that point that you're in a world of trouble. They killed the seven minutes. They, they actually had nine minutes Denver did a power play time in the second period. UMD outscores them, outshoots them, and wins the special teams game of the second period. That's this team... But it's also this team that you pull off that comeback, you tie the game, and they get a bad goal late in the second to take the lead back. It's this team that they get two extra attacker goals, they tie the game, they force overtime, and then that happens in the three-on-three, and you get just one point out of it. That's, That's been the season, Pat
1: we had uh we had tom seratori on earlier in the show and we talked a lot about the ccha give us an update on the nchc we, we were talking about the box scores from last night and north dakota got whooped by colorado college but uh the state of this uh conference how are things uh, as you look at it in a whole
5: well that was north Dakota's 17th nchc game and it's the first time they didn't get any points uh, which is I, I'm guessing that's a league record it has to be. It's an incredible run when you consider the competition in this conference night in and night out, that it took them seventeen games to have a game where they got they lost in regulation. That's their first regulation loss since the first weekend of November, which again, the schedule they play, it's incredible. But they're only one point up right now in St. Cloud State. And St. Cloud State's had an up and down year. You know, it's been one it's been weird, like you look at the top, CeCe's having a great year, and Chris Mayoff's done a great job with that team. Pat, you guys had a chance to see them uh, in early January in Mariucci. You know this as well as anybody. That team is legit. But, you know, you look at Western Michigan. We know they're good. Denver, my goodness, they're very good. They're win with the 20th game of the year tonight, and they're right now fifth in the conference. It's, it's, it's just that kind of league where... You know, even though North Dakota's been as good as North Dakota's been, there's very little separation at the top.
2: Well, here's what I, 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 I you know, I, I understand the pairwise And, you know, we asked Tom Saratori about it. He likes it. Um, you know, I don't know where you stand on it. But I'm looking at the conference standings, and, and things can change night to night. We know that. St. Cloud is a point behind North Dakota. They sit in second place. If the NCAA tournament was to start today, they would not be in it. I I, right. I have a hard time understanding that, Bruce.
5: So, I mean it's it's all it's all right there in front of us, right? We see it. Uh, I have to think the loss to St. Thomas hurts them. I have to think getting swept by Minnesota State, Mankato, hurts them. They lost to Alaska. That doesn't help. You know, we know this. I think we all kind of know this going into a season where. Yeah, there are non-conference games. The non-conference games almost carry more weight than your league games because that's how you get compared to teams in other conferences. And if you don't do well in those non-conference games, if you can't win non-conference series, then you put yourself in a difficult situation because you are not going to compare as well to top teams in those leagues. And, and that's, I think, part of the problem right now with St. Claude State is they don't compare well enough to teams in other leagues because their non-conference isn't very good
2: so they they right now they would have to win the conference championship uh, tournament championship to get in and um you know i mean that what you know at at playoff time you know th- those are hard games to win it's hard
5: to win oh those, yeah those league championships it certainly is, and i have got them fourteenth right now. Which they'd actually sneak in right now is the last at large. Okay, um, but the, but it. still, you're, it's, a, it's a very perilous position. Colorado College is having a really good year right now. They're out. It's kind of the same thing. If you look at it, what CC did non conference, there are games in there. You know, the loss to Augustana hurts them. You know, they they didn't do well enough against Arizona State. And Arizona State. By the way, Arizona State 17th in the pairwise. They've already won 20 games and Arizona State has like a 2% chance of getting in the NCAA tournament, largely because they play a week schedule down the stretch and they didn't do enough with the quality opponents that they had. It's the same thing. You, when you play good teams outside your league, if you don't do well, then you put yourself in a tough situation. I think back to Denver had won two straight championships in 04 and 05. The 05-06 season, They were second in the WCHA in the regular season. They lost their first-round series in three games to UMD, and and Paul Stasny, Matt Carl, that group didn't get back to the NCAA tournament. They were out. That was the end of their season.
2: Hmm. All right, let me ask you this. As the future commissioner, because you have my vote, you know that, (laughs) uh, of college hockey, would you change anything? And if so, what would you change?
5: I don't know that you can. Um, The problem that, and I don't have a great understanding, there's people listening probably that are much smarter about analytics and math than I am, wouldn't take much. Um, My understanding of this type of thing is that you need more sample than what we have in college hockey to get a really, a, a true idea of how good teams are from league to league. You need more interplay than we get, and you need more sampling. Our season's not going to get longer. It's already one of the longest in NCAA sports. It's, they're not making it longer in terms of of days and and weekends and all that. So to me, what we have right now, it's imperfect, but I think educating the coaches and educating the fans as to, you know, why certain things matter the way that they do and how the system works is the best way through so that everyone, we're all on the same page and at least, at least have the possibility of understanding. How the pairwise works, you know, why teams, you know, why these non conference games are so important. I, I think that's that's what we have to do more than anything else. I, I was chatting with one of the Arizona State people last week. They were talking about, you know, their where they are in the pairwise, they're probably gonna miss the tournament. The pairwise needs to change. I said, Well, honestly, I, I think you just need to win the games that you need to win. You know, you can't if you're Arizona State, you're not in the conference right now. I know they'll be next year, but right now they're not in the conference. You can't lose games to the likes of, you know, Fairbanks and Anchorage and Long Island or whoever else. You can't do that. You can't afford it because you don't play. And if you, and if you do, then you have to do even better when you play quality opponents. And Arizona State, there's enough warts in their schedule this year. You know, and questionable losses and ties and things like that that have hurt them, that's why they are where they are. It's just getting trying to get people to understand all that. I don't think there's necessarily a change that can be made. I've yet to see a system better than this one.
1: We'll let you go on this note. Uh, of all the people in Minnesota that we owe a phone call to, Scott Sandlin's right there at the top of the list. How's he holding up?
5: <laughs> I think he's doing pretty well. I mean, here's the thing. Well, he, all, he said Wednesday, this is the the most abnormal season he's ever seen, and this guy's been around college hockey, as you guys know, as a player and coach for well over three decades now. So for him to say that that that, that carries some weight, but I think he's he sees, and he has said a couple of different times this year, and he's talked about how proud he is of, of this group of players. You know, they've only had twenty skaters available at the max here since Christmas because of injuries and other things that have happened along the way, and. You know, they could have brought somebody in at Christmas break. They decided not to. They're going to stick with what they have and they're going to hope that guys can stay healthy. They've had some struggles in that regard, but they've had 20 here and he's been proud of the battle, how hard they've played. Yeah, they haven't always played great. As I said, you know, there's mistakes along the way and it feels like a lot of times those mistakes end up in the back of their net. It's just what happens sometimes. But. There are young guys that are getting better that he is really excited about. I think about Ben Steves, the season he's having, guy like freshman Matthew Perkins, Aaron Pionk on the blue line. Those are names you're gonna be hearing for a very long time in this program. And he is extremely excited about some of the guys coming in. The Plant Brothers and Jason be the goaltender, Adam Guyan will be here next year. You know, the, the the core of young players that they have brought in the last couple of years is I, I think it's a it's a very good thing for this program and i think he sees that and, and he's looking forward to,
1: to helping bring that along we gotta say goodbye i will say this patrick this has been a very emotional week in hockey first we say goodbye to the horn halvey says goodbye after yes. decades of say of calling games there uh in white bear lake and then that moment last night was a heartbreaker as well here comes denver thompson walks in and scores my
5: goodness way too easy and Denver wins. You
1: hear the heartbreak. <laughs> Halby sheds oh, well, so not tears. not play that very well at all. And then uh, you hear your, Bruce
5: yeah,
2: Sosky's heartbreak. No, it, 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 it was very emotional, Kevin. <laughs> very, as you can see, <laughs> I'm shedding it
1: here. It was fantastic to listen to, Bruce. Better luck tonight at Amsoil Arena in the rematch. Thanks for doing this, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, boys. I appreciate it as always. And yeah, and, and if we us. don't, I'm sure I'll hear about it on Twitter as you lobby for your opportunity on Beyond the Pond. But always great to ch- uh, check in with one of the voices of college hockey, Patrick and one Bruce Siski.
2: Yeah, you know he's, he. You know he wears that uh, bulldog on his sleeve, and and uh, that was a heartbreaker because they fought back so hard and and against a great team. Uh, Denver is really really good, really talented. They score a lot of goals and. And they, uh, you know, and they and they got the win last night.
1: Can't believe you're ditching me today. So it's me and Helvey on Wild Fan Line after the Wild take on the Buffalo Sabres. You're going to be where and doing what and how do we watch you?
2: Uh, Big Ten Network, 6 o'clock, Michigan and Penn State. Uh, Michigan wins last night. They were up 4 nothing, gave up 3, get an empty netter uh, to win at 5-3. So be another good one today
1: yeah that'll be that'll be fun that'll be on the big 10 network your gophers are at notre dame looking for a response after getting their butts kicked last night in south bend it'll hit the airwaves at five o'clock here in the twin cities on Newstock am 1130 and fm 103.5 wally and frank no pat micheletti but I, i'm guessing like i said you're expecting a, a response here from bob moscow's crew
2: i i do you know they they typically after they don't play well they they get it and um and, you know, they're experienced enough to understand that. I think they'll be better tonight, not predicting a win, but I think they'll be much, much better tonight.
1: Good luck tonight in Chicago. Patrick, will be watching. There he yeah. is, Bye-bye. Pat Nicoletti, out there in the Windy City. A good show once again. Tom Saratori let us, let us off from Bemidji State. We end it with Bruce Siski from UND Hockey. Of course, Joe Smith from The Athletic and TheAthletic.com join us. And Mason Shaw contributed as well. He's ready to make his return to the Minnesota Wild lineup sometime, not tonight, as the Wild face-off against the Sabres in St. Paul. Pre-game at 345. Puck drops just after 4 o'clock. And then it's the return of Wild fan line. Myself and Zach Elverson taking your calls after the contest. Should be a lot of fun. Brett, nice work. As always, wonderful job on your breakaways. Thank you. That's Brett Blakemore. Thanks for checking us out on Beyond the Pond. Join us after the game tonight in St. Paul. But until then, enjoy your Saturday.